Hello, everybody, and welcome to Art Drama Llama, where we look beyond the galleries and dish on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities. My name is Vartika. My name's Sianja. And my name is Manchi. And today, we're going to look beyond... Uh, Salvador Dali and Disney's pet project, Destino. I, I never knew they worked together. So yeah, you're going to find out why. <laughs> All right. So the way I was introduced to this was that one day uh, our art history teacher in high school uh, showed us this video, right? <laughs> and I didn't think anything of it. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And I guess that's cool that them two worked on it together. And then later in college, when I took a history of animation class, it was presented to me as like, they worked on this together and they thought it was going to be a good idea, but they both had massive egos. Drama went down and then they abandoned the project. And then years later, they finished, like Disney, like the corporation decided to finish it and market it as like, oh, they were just the best of friends. And they like worked on this together. It's just like, for some reason or another, never got finished. So I was ready for some big, big drama while researching this. And honestly, it was a little underwhelming. So either, <laughs> so either Disney did a really good job about hiding like the details of the drama that went down, or I'm a bad researcher. But here's what I have for y'all this week. Are y'all ready? Yes. Seatbelt strapped in. Yes. yes. Okay, before I like start, start, start. I know I asked if y'all were ready, but I'm a tease. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all watch the short? Like the link that I sent you for the short? I watched it, but I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now. <laughs> and I just watched it, but without any audio. And we'll post a link in the description for audience members. Mm -hmm. What would y'all think, first of all? Because when I first watched it, I was like, because they worked on this like in the 40s, right? And I was like, wow, these graphics are amazing for the 40s. And then I was like, wait, is that CGI? No. It, the talent was just that big that it looks CGI. But no, it was CGI because it was made in 2003. Oh, gotcha. I was like, yeah, it does look right? really advanced for something made in the 1940s. But mm -hmm. yeah, because they didn't. Yeah, okay. Spoiler I mean, alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Um, I mean, I watched it and I was like, I like there are parts of the story where I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. And then all of a sudden it will take a turn. And I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? I don't understand how this ties back to the original storyline. Yeah. Vertigo. It, it got, from what I remember, it was, I was like, whoa, I felt really shocked throughout it and then there were some scenes where I think I mentioned this to you um there was one scene where she's like being again spoiler alert she's like being chased up the little mountain thing or whatever or mm -hmm. maybe she's being chased down I forget but I was like oh this kind of reminds me of um Hercules in some sort of way because they're fighting the the gods are fighting Hades from the top of the mountain and they're like falling or something or maybe I also just don't remember Hercules very well <laughs> but I was like oh this scene is 
reminiscent of that I feel like a little bit and then also um I was really confused at the end it's like I don't know what just happened like the last 10-15 seconds or so um plot line like completely changed Mm -hmm. I thought but maybe I just am not um smart enough to follow (laughs) no uh I'll go a little bit on to why there was some confusion aside from the fact that it was a surrealist video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So uh, this short was made in 2003. So it's been 17 years. So if you're out here getting mad at us for spoiling stuff, it's been 17 years. All right, everyone. So for this week, I wanted to cover a story that I've been meaning to look into for some time now. And it's going to be over the animated short Destino that was released by Disney in 2003 and is the finalized version this the finalized version of a project Salvador Dali and Walt Disney decided to collaborate in. I say finalized because they start this project in 1946, got fed up with each other, abandoned it, and then five decades later was finally finished after both artists were long dead, like a long dead. Literally, one of the only original people that got to see this project completed was an animator named by John, uh, named John Hench, who acted as like the go-between between Dali and Disney. No, no reaction to that. <laughs> I mean, I feel okay. like you're just setting up stuff. Right. I am, but I just think it's so funny that the two main guys died and then the guy who was kind of like number three in the project is the one who actually got to see it like done, like see the yeah. fruit of their labors. So did fruit. they sorry, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna ask, um, since they were both so like dramatic and argued all the time, did they actually meet or were they like or I guess they weren't oh. working virtually. Oh. Never mind. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> internet existed back then. I mean, they could have been working. Um... They uh, telegram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, or like those old phones. Hello. <laughs> like, hello. Can you talk to the operator? Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> they dialed up phones. Okay. Uh, I, I will go into that. Like, I will. Don't you worry. Manji, any comments? I was just going to say, I mean, at least one person from the original project got to see it in completion. Yeah. Good. He, he says um, that uh, he feels like it was a good conclusion that both, both visions from both artists were able to be captured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I can see the fact that they probably both had huge egos and it was probably better for the project for neither of them to be around it when it finally <laughs> produced. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, most of the information I'm going to tell you about comes from two articles. One, Ram Barbgallo, The Destino Animatic and the Fate of Assembling Artistic Truths into a Greater Whole by Amanda uh, Rattel in long lost artwork discovered from Walt Disney project with Salvador Dali Destino by Jonathan Winslow. Uh, There is a documentary on YouTube that you can watch about this whole project. 
for free. Ah. But I do think they paint a more uh, friendly version of how uh, this went down. And also, they never really talk about, like, uh, how they even, they kind of brush over how they even decided to, like, finish the project or to pick it back up, like, decades later. It's more of a Disney marketing tool. In a way, yes. Okay. But I, I do feel like since I couldn't since like I couldn't find details on like arguments and stuff, I do feel like uh it's more on the objective side than on the propaganda ish side. Mm, okay. Yeah. They do talk a lot about like Walt and Disney though, like who they wear as like people and artists. So I feel like it's also an interesting view to kind of like see that. Wait, do you mean Disney and Dolly? You said yes, Walt Disney and Dali. Disney. <laughs> yes, I meant Disney and Dali. JK. I think, I think something that has um that I have never really thought about that is kind of surprising is the fact that Disney and Dolly overlapped in lifetime. Um because in my head they seem very distinct and from two different worlds. So it's kind of weird to me to know that they lived at the, around the same time. Well, I'm gonna get into it a little bit more pretty soon actually but technically at the time uh not to say that animation was like this new 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 media because it had been around for a while at this point but it was still considered uh like the new kid on the block so at this point in time um actually I might do an episode about this but animators like the first animators they wanted animation to be kept as like an art medium like an art form and then Disney came and kind of commercialized it. So there was a debate on between like, if you do this, it's going to be considered like a low art. It's not going to be considered like this high art that you can just explore these like complicated themes of like motion and storytelling. Uh, so at this time, animation was actually kind of seen as like a form of like to explore surrealism. That's very interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had no idea. I mean, it makes sense because you can draw something realistic, but put it into a very un into a very surrealist environment. So yeah, and the main argument I saw, at least for uh, Disney and Dali's case, was that like in a surrealist painting, you could add like facial features to like an object, mm-hmm. right? And look at animations, like there's trees with faces moving around. Yeah. There's like instruments with legs walking around. So mm-hmm. it was considered, and that's like those those things that we are used to now, of like, oh, this is just normal cartoon, like silliness. Back then was seen as like a surrealist type of like viewing experience. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was oh. pretty cool to read about too. Also, I had a question. I've never watched Fantasia, but I've heard it's like a whole trip of like just a lot of stuff that's going on. Yes. So is that relate? So would you say that is probably also influenced by surrealism? Oh, for sure. For sure. And also, um, I guess the way like we just either we learn things or things are taught to us, it seems very like linear, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the truth is that 
all these artists like know of each other and are jumping off of each other's ideas and styles mm. yeah. yeah and like, one thing we have to keep in mind yeah and like these two men were like really famous both in their time and now after so they mm. knew of each other anyways so to be so fair warning these two articles I would say cover things more on Dali's side than Disney's. So a lot of the info I got, I'm going to tell you about, like, goes along that same vein too. Like, it's more generated towards Dali's side or Dali's, like, experience with working with Disney rather than the opposite. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. All right. Got to make sure I'm making sense. So for those of you who don't know, Salvador Dali was a Spanish surrealist artist. Um, Spanish as in like from Spain, not Spanish as in like he spoke, he just spoke Spanish and was from like Latin America. Just gotta clear that up. I don't know why, just in case. Anyway, he was a surrealist artist renowned for his technical skill, precise draftsmanship, um, and the striking and bizarre images in his work. He has been, he is best known for his painting, The Persistence of Memory, which is the melting clocks painting you've probably seen at some point somewhere, like on the TV, online. So I'm going to be surprised if somebody didn't know who Walt Disney is, but I'm going to intro him too. So the spirit of Dali doesn't get mad that I insinuated that they were both not on the same level of fame by not introducing him and just going, well, we all know who who Disney is, who that man's is, right? So just for the sake of not uh, angering these dead man's ego, Walt Disney was an American entrepreneur, animator, writer, voice actor, and film producer. He is also a pioneer of the American animation industry and due to introducing several de developments in the production of cartoons. So, I mean, just a tidbit the reason why we have storyboards is because of disney oh that's very interesting really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like he was very influential in setting up some like he language and vocabulary used in animation and processes mm -hmm. he really made it like an assembly line type of uh yeah. process because yeah. I'm pretty sure before then animators just like worked by themselves and like did it. Uh, anyways, so these two people are on very different sides of the art field, right? As Manchi kind of talked about and I divulged a little bit in. Uh, in this collaboration uh, is, or maybe just me seems like, you know, the standard between a big company and a big artist, right? Uh, well, in this specific case, not only was it that both Disney and Delhi were actually fans of each other before they started to work together. Uh, Disney was a fan because Da and Dali became a fan after watching uh, a Silly Symphony film, uh, which Silly Symphony is like a series of like shorts of like these cart uh, these like cartoon instruments and trees and just nature just doing their thing and having like adventures. Uh, and apparently considered Dali as one of the top three American surrealists alongside artists uh, such as Harpo Marx and Cecil B. DeMille. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I already talked about how animation is considered surrealist, but I watched some of like the Silly Symphony 
just to like jog my memory and looking at it uh I'm like yeah if I was alive at this time and I'm seeing as I totally think it's surreal so I think we kind of take for granted how a lot of these things that were innovated for at times are just standard now so see like looking back and seeing them like I guess I don't feel like the same like wowness as if I was in that time yeah I think it's hard for us to be like oh a guitar with legs is surreal. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's surreal because it's just so much part of the animation vocabulary, right? They just mm-hmm. make all inanimate objects anim- yeah. animated. We've grown up with it, but for yeah. the people in that time, it would have been insane. <laughs> An acid <Yeah>. trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, like I mentioned, like to us, some big company and an artist working together is like, oh, okay standard but back then it was like a big deal like not not only was it like oh these two know each other uh, it was also kind of like oh um not only do they know each other but like wow never before seen done like an artist and a company working together the most ambitious crossover of the 1940s yeah (laughs) so yeah at this at so also to that i'm like oh uh this is like a really big wow factor but nowadays i'm like we're like okay and so anyway while having admired each other's work for a long time uh there are two key interactions that set off the collaboration between the two of them one after reading dali's autobiography disney sent him a fan letter asking for an autograph and inviting the spanish artist to the studio (laughs) fanboy anyway And two, it is said that a dinner party at Jack Warner's house, a Canadian-American film executive who was the president and driving force behind the Warner Brothers Studios, is where Disney told Dali that if he agreed to come to work for him at his studio, Dali could make the film that he wanted to make. So he was kind of insinuating that he would uh, have complete artistic control and liberty to make this film, which is like the magic words for any artist. If you tell any artist, like, you're going to have complete control, free range, do whatever you want, they'll fall into some traps. Thankfully, I'm an exhausted artist. And if somebody's like, make something, I'm like, hell no, I'm out of here. You've already learned. Yeah, I've learned. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is probably also new for Dolly because... I think all his works previously, he had his own artistic control, right? Like, I mm-hmm. don't think he's ever been in a situation where he needs Actually, to answer to somebody. Oh. Not necessarily like he needs to answer to somebody, but more like, uh, like he wasn't like, you know, like, oh, wow, this is great. People were like, um, okay, gotta make it make sense or gotta do something with it. Uh, anyway, uh, Speaking on to that, the reason why, aside from like, you know, Disney telling Dali that you're going to have complete artistic control being just the magic words for any artist, um, there, there, were, there was an instance as to why this kind of hit or seemed more uh, desirable to Dali. Um, so like mentioned before, uh, of course, Dali said, uh, yeah, I'll take you up on that offer for a few reasons, other than being told that he's gonna have complete and artistic freedom. 
Uh, one of these reasons being that outside of painting, Dali made movies, right? Because he was very enchanted with cinema. And if you want to look up his movies, go ahead. Anyways, obviously the idea of being able to make a motion picture with images uh, you saw on screen were hand-painted. Um, hand-painted visuals that moved was right up Dali's alley, right? Because it meant he could make static ideas he had been working on and bring them to life by a way of making moving art with cross dissolves and setups that were dreamlike uh, with imagery that morphed from one image to another in an organic wake, as M Amy Rattel says in her article. And lastly, I think he really wanted to avenge his work he did for MGM, which is an American media company and one of the first like big movie studios. Uh, in the movie Spellbound, after being asked to do it by Alfred Hitchcock, which is the guy who made a bunch of iconic movies like The Birds, Psycho, and uh, Rear Window. Anyways, uh, this work he was asked to do was to create a four minute dream sequence where he ended up actually making a 20 minute one of which only two minutes of it were used in the movie. So this made him feel like he, he had very little artistic control and was disrespected. I think that sucks for Dolly, but I can also imagine like the low level employee who got the 20 minute video and they were like, well, crap. I have to somehow pick out the pieces of this that will fit into this two minute slot that the executives have told me I have, so. Yeah, no, honestly, I guess maybe cause like at one point I was an animation student, hearing him make a 20 minute one instead of four minute one, I'm like, you asshole. <laughs> like. I don't know there's just like such structure and like form and deadlines and all these things to animation yeah. that I'm like why would you do this yeah I think this also, might be a foreshadowing to his upcoming conflicts with Disney as well yeah Ooh. actually yes right on the nose right on the nose uh so okay so just to kind of like summarize so what not only did like Dali agree to this because like oh well it's Disney right he agreed to it because he he was a big fan of cinema. So he really liked uh, just the whole charm that there is to like movies and editing and stuff. But he also had an interest in animation seen as like a surrealist outlet, right? And he he just wanted to like avenge his his last project with a studio. So there there are many reasons as to why Dali agreed to this, right? All right, so for those reasons, Dali's on board. Contracts are signed, and this Disney Dali collab has been made public via a 1945 November edition of the Dali News, which read as follows. Walt Disney and Salvador Dali have reached a decision to produce in direct collaboration with a new animated film and a new medium never yet tried. Nothing more can be said yet, but the American admirers of the melting watches can be reassured. There will appear, they, these will appear in the film. And thanks to the virtuosity of Disney, for the first time, one will be able to see how they move. The melting watches in action. So Disney, Dali, pump for this project. Public, pump for this project. Why? Because the press is pumping them up. So all right, they get down to business. 
January 14th, 1946. Salvador Dali comes to work at Disney Studios and worked until April 1st. After the 1st of April, he took some time off before returning on May 22nd, 1946, and then continued to work until July 31st, 1946. Dali then returned to do more work in August of 1946. Now, his last documented visit to the studio ranges between April 1947 and like the beginning of 1948. So now that you kind of have this timeline, I'm gonna tell you what went on during this time before the plug was pulled on this project, okay? To start off, Dali started cre creating the project with Bob Cormack and John Hench, who I've mentioned before. Not his like usual filmmaking buddy, uh, Luis Buñuel, uh, who Dali had collaborated with to make uh, his films. And this is important to note because at the end of the day, Dali is a fine art artist. So in other words, what you think about traditional like artists, meaning that he could make these elaborate and detailed works um, and kind of go at his own pace. And Luis Buñuel, uh, while being a filmmaker was like-minded, like the, like Dali, which is why they worked well. So from what I got is that uh, Buñuel kind of uh, enabled Dali to be as weird and as abstract as he was with his films. And I guess didn't really like pressure him to uh, be more organized or be more concise with his ideas. Um, so as kind of an animation, wannabe animation student, I can tell you right now that that is not at all how animation works, especially if you're making anything under a company. So while you could have detailed stuff and everything, it's gonna be really hard. And most of the time people want simplicity. So John Hinch became a key player for this project due to him being able to paint in the style of any artist and that his role as was to help co-render Dali's design from outline into story sketches. More importantly, he was also there to fill in the gaps of Dali's thinking, ensure the work Dali was doing had that like Disney flair. Uh, and as a commercial staff artist at Disney, he was put in place to guide Dali into translating his work for animation. So kind of really like simplifying his ideas and his sketches. Yeah, well, I'm glad he ended up being able to see the final product because I think yeah, he's I, really like the linchpin of the whole operation. Like if he honestly, wasn't there, you know, like I don't think anything would have happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I agree. Honestly, as I did research for this, I'm like, this is John Hinch's project. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like it. Yeah, I'm like, Dali and Disney were just like the faces. Yeah. Yeah, they were like the the visionaries, but the real person behind it who made the dream happen was John Henge. Mm -hmm. What a guy. What a guy indeed. All right, so, so far, nothing, nothing to nothing. Nothing too dramatic, right? Yeah, this sounds pretty regular. Well, the thing is, when Disney got Dali on board, it was a little bit uh, right after the Disney animator strike in World War II. So the studio wasn't in the best of places, financially speaking. 
then the way Disney envisioned this project is described as a six minute film about a kind of dance of love in an abstract background. And I think you can already figure out uh, that they were probably bumping heads after this, at, like from the beginning, right? So already the studio isn't like in the best of places and then Disney has a completely different vision of this project than Dali. Yeah, it's not a good sign. <laughs> and I feel like that's just the thing too, when like you collaborate with somebody, yeah. like you have your own ideas and then they have theirs. Yeah. But in this specific case, I'm, I'm kind of like, Dali, you're stupid. Like, you have you not learned your lesson by working <laughs> with a prior company? They have their vision already and it just will be easier for you to kind of like meet a middle ground, you know? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's just me uh, as somebody living in the 21st century. Yeah. Or maybe it's Dali's ego going like, but I'm Dali. Uh, they put two headstrong people together. And it was hard yeah. to work it out. But in this case, I'm more on like Disney side because I'm more like, just, just the way the animation is probably because of Disney yeah you have if if it's a six minute film it is a six minute film and you gotta fit in however much you can in those six minutes and make it make sense yeah there's like and it sounds like dolly is the kind of person who's just gonna be like sees the first two minutes that they've already created and then goes no i don't like it anymore and restarts and that is just not something they have the time and resources to do Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Take into mind, both of them already have a different idea of what's going on. Dali is kind of known to like run wild with his ideas. Disney isn't that like involved too. It's mostly like John Henge. Um, all right. So tension been building for a minute, right? Based on all these factors. So What's described as a straw that broke the camel's back is that one day when Disney went to the studio and saw Dali had added some poses with baseball players in a sequence in the film, Disney asked Dali to cut the short down because his vision was too grandiose. And Dali's response was to rise from his chair and hold a sheet of animation paper up in one hand and announce to the room, I can't work on this. The paper is pre-designed picked up the phone, called for a car, and left the Walt Disney Studio, abandoning the work. I mean, I can't imagine a more dramatic exit than that. I feel like that was a pretty clean exit. It's pretty clean, but it's pretty dramatic. Yeah, but I will say, Dali does have a point. Like, the paper was pre-designed. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, Dali just would always come up with these ideas oh, we should add this, oh, we should add that, or what if we do this? And like I mentioned before, just how animation is, it's like, no, you have to be concise of what what you're doing. So there was a lot of that, and I guess Disney was just like, you're adding more, specifically these baseball things? No, out of here. We need some structure. And it's funny because you kind of see it in the 2003 uh, short. Uh, you you see the baseball players make an appearance. Yeah, I got really confused when I saw that. 
I was like, why are they here? They're like the rest of the story does not, none of it is modern. It's like set in a desert. Indeed. With ruins. Yeah. Uh, so only uh, 135 storyboards, drawings, and sketches, and 22 paintings were made. Uh, and 20 seconds animations were produced from all of this. That's, well, storyboards and sketches and paintings, I feel that's pretty pretty good for the like amount of time they work together, but only 20 seconds of animation for all that time. I'm like, oh, well, things must have been hella held back. Oh yeah, you know, it's cause Dolly was like, no. All these ideas. <laughs> Scratch this, we're gonna do this now. Well, I feel like it wasn't even like scratch this. It's like include this. Yeah. yeah. And like, I get it. I get it. Like as an artist, I'm like, oh, well, what about this? Oh, like, I get it. I get it. Where I get where he's coming from. But also I'm like, but I know when to like let go of things. Yeah. Which is why I'm like, I wish we could have seen more of like Disney side of things. You mean in, throughout the story? Yeah. Well, um, it, it sounds like he was more just like the big shot exec who was just putting well, or like, down. Or I guess like even like John Hinch's take on it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. from the few things that I do see his input, he was just like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Dali just had a bunch of ideas. Yeah, <laughs> they were both uh, pretty big artists. Like he won't say details. And I'm like, sir, they're both dead. You're a big name in the field too. Just tell us. Nothing's gonna happen to you. Oh, he's probably the same. Yeah, go ahead. He's probably still under an NDA with the yeah. Disney Corporation. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, probably. Oh well. One day, maybe one day we'll find out. <laughs> yes. His secret yeah, like, diary. Yeah, in his will, he's like, here's the truth. <laughs> Just what really happened. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, then as the years went by, and no final product was being made, uh, people kind of had this attitude towards the abandoned project as being kind of like, hey, do y'all remember that Disney Dali collab? Yeah, like, that was kind of random, huh? But journalists were trying to fill the gap of what went on and why no final product had been released by this uh, by publishing articles with claims like the Destino Project 1946 was done for the sake of publicity and how the financial hardships Disney Studio was having at the time. Uh, Also about uh, how opportunistic Dali and Disney were and how they had two humongous egos. And I'm all like, okay, but where are these articles? I want to read what y'all are saying. I feel like there are like missing gaps of like why people, obviously um, them saying, oh, this is for the sake of publicity because of like all the stuff that was going on in Disney studios, like outside of this project. But them saying Dali and Disney had like huge egos. I'm like, okay, but what makes you say this? There's a whole conspiracy here. <laughs> exactly, which is why I'm like, either Disney did a good job about covering this up or there was just not good archival going on for this specific instance. 
Which I find kind of hard to believe because Dali was really famous even in his own time. Mm -hmm. Like they were both really famous. Yeah. So does that does that mean then Disney is covering things up? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but also, I think it's funny that like the public was pumped and then nothing happened, and then everybody's kind of like standing around like, um, "What happened to that? Any news?" I mean, I feel like that's also modern day mm-hmm. content creating as well. I also will say that I feel like. And it is talked about a lot how Disney was kind of a control freak. But I feel like it really stems from him um, losing his first company and kind of like his the rights to his first character, which was this rabbit called Oswald, which is how mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse came to be. So I feel like that just really made him have like gigantic trust issues. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I can sympathize because like to have your character just be taken away from you like that like obviously he eventually got so big that he was able to buy back the rights (laughs) but he had already made a whole brand with like mickey yeah yeah uh so finally in 1999 roy e disney walt disney's nephew hired dali experts and animators to flesh out a final product based on the work that did get done his final product being the 2003 Destino animation. And out of the three key players that worked on this animation, John Hinch was the only one able to work on the finished product. Now, the story of when on behind the scenes of this project doesn't end here. So next week, I will be telling y'all about the long lost art that was part of this project and some of the stuff that resurfaced once this art was found. So all that you just heard was just what happened during the making of. And what I'm going to tell you is kind of what happened to some of the work that get did, that did get produced and how uh, that missing work resurfacing kind of changed the context of this finished 2003 version of the project and kind of like the perception of the project. Yeah. That will be exciting. Um, yeah, so audience members, be sure to watch the short before next week's episode. Mm-hmm. So what do you all think? I think it's very interesting. I think it definitely, you know, this is like the classic artist versus corporation, like can't fit in terms of working style story, mm-hmm. um, which I think if I was younger, I would be like, but Dali, his artistic vision is the most important. But now I've been kind of inoculated into the uh, corporate world. So now mm-hmm. like, I-, I see I see Disney's side and I bet working with Dali was just a pain in the butt. <laughs> so. Yeah, also, um, I don't know if I would call both of them opportunistic because Dali, um, he um, he didn't really need Disney. And I feel like Disney needed Dali more because of all yeah. the stuff that was going on with his studio outside of this project with the right, right the animator strike and like World War II. Um, and if you watch the documentary that's on YouTube about this project, 
they do mention how Dali kind of was um, like the first kind of celebrity to really be able to manipulate the press to be in his favor. Because when he yeah. came over to America, he would do all this crazy stuff just to get like be on the news <laughs> or the newspaper. So you mean he was essentially an, like a 1940s version of Donald Trump? I wouldn't say that, <laughs> but I see where you where you where 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 you think the vibe is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say I would say no, just because he's not like in politics and he's not doing that crazy of things. And he was kind of revered for being in the news. People were like, OMG, what is Dali doing? Mm. And the only reason why he was like that is because. He was all like, oh, let me be wacky and crazy so that, like, surrealism can be, like, put attention to, but also me. Yeah. Like, apparently in his surrealist group, they all picked him to be kind of, like, the face of it because he was just so iconic. Yeah. I mean, that handlebar mustache, like, Mm -hmm. I still think about it. He loved the attention, and it also ended up going to his head even more. (laughs) Yes. His ego inflated. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, on another note, I was also looking up John Hench, and he seems like an interesting guy. I feel like we should list out some of the stuff he did. Um, yeah, go ahead, because for some, I was too focused on, like, trying to find dirt on this whole project <laughs> that I didn't really, like, go into who John Hench was. But, yeah, he's really big, not only in, like, Disney lore, but, like, in animation, like, history. So, yes, yeah. please, let's, let's give this man the real backbone of this project his spotlight the spotlight yeah. yeah i mean so he so some of the works he was part of fantasia dumbo the three cavalleros um make mine music which i have never heard of or fun and fancy free uh and then he was part of the adventures of ichabod and the T- mr toad so dear to my heart cinderella alice in wonderland peter pan True Life Adventure, The Living Desert, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Our Friend, The Atom, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and of course, Destino. Um, But I think what was really interesting as well was he started out in the animation department, but then he Mm -hmm. moved into um, the live action department and started doing special effects. And then he actually helped design a um, a lot of the parks. So he designed attractions for Tomorrowland, the Adventureland mm-hmm. buildings and walkways, the New Orleans Square, and the Snow White Grotto. And he also designed Space Mountain and Cinderella's Castle <laughs> for the Magic Kingdom and Tokyo Disneyland. Mm. So if y'all, our listeners, want to uh, go fund our trip to see this <laughs> legend's contributions, I would not be upset. Yeah. Also, Especially that then- Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. You know, we'll, we'll make a vlog and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he died of heart failure in February 2004. Oh, wow. Right after this project got completed. I'm mm-hmm. glad he saw it then. I'm glad he yep. saw that, like, the completed version. Maybe he makes an appearance he... in that documentary I keep mentioning. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where he's like, yes, I feel like this is a really good conclusion to that. <laughs> Well, maybe that's why he didn't let go for so long. He just needed mm-hmm. to see this, this Disney Dolly 
crossover completely. Yeah. Like, people also, like, talk about what it was like working with him. He was like, yeah, he was, uh, from what I could tell, he seems like a lot calmer of a person to be working with compared mm-hmm. to Dali mm-hmm. and Disney. Yeah. The only thing the, the, like, animators or, like, workers said that was kind of, like, maybe he wasn't, like, the easiest to work with. Or, like, no, nah, I wouldn't say, like, the easiest, but, like, you know, it wasn't, like, he was a pushover. Was that they were, like, he has a very keen eye, and we only got one comment from him, was that for some scene, they, something happened where he was, like, oh, that, that was actually supposed to be this, but what y'all did was a lot better, a lot more creative. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah. obviously, he doesn't have that a huge ego if he's able to make comments like that so Mm -hmm. it's good to see yeah well i mean just to um wrap up john hench i think you know i mean i have never heard of him but i think this is a testament to how famous he is uh because the usc school of cinematics um animation school is called the john hench school of animation so they named they named that department after him good for him yeah. And uh, that documentary I keep talking about is uh, Dali and Disney, A Date with Destino. A Date with Destino. Mm-hmm. I really like that title. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was very interesting. I feel like, you know, definitely not something I've heard about before. And it was fun to kind of learn more and read up about these different people. Mm hmm. I also, what I really liked about the research in this, since I couldn't find that much drama or juicy details about it, was how animation was seen as like this potential like surrealist outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting just because as we mentioned before, how I guess desensitized we are to it, that we don't see it as surrealist. Right. But now that that's been like pointed out to me, when I look at older stuff, I'm like, yes, this is very surrealist, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All these things that we talk about, like learn, mm-hmm. it's definitely giving us a wider outlook on life and like anything we do, anything we watch, um, we're more educated for it. Have all these interesting facts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, it's it, another tidbit from doing this research is how I'm, I don't know why I'm always surprised how like art or like things aren't in a vacuum like how artists know of each other and all this stuff uh like for example um the impressionist painters they were all friends like they would mm-hmm. all meet up and talk and paint yeah and usually think artists of just like doing their thing and not really talking to others yeah so yeah oh I don't know why I'm always amazed like these people knew each other (laughs) so it was nice to see how like what I what we probably think as animation is like this modern thing being able to like connect in some way with like the fine arts yeah or the more traditional arts yeah 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 I'm trying to think of any modern artists that we know of that have collaborated with big studios, but. Um, I feel like, well, also I feel like just because of how big the world is now, 
Yeah. Uh, sometimes if a, if a big artist works with a studio, they're probably big in like their niche mm-hmm. versus like world renowned. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's hard to find, I want to say modern, met, like, a, a, like a handful of modern artists that like are like everybody knows. Yeah, they're just, I think Dolly's time, there were like art celebrities, whereas mm-hmm. now there are no, they've, I guess, been replaced by movie celebrities. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. The only closest thing I can think of, and more, he's more of a musician, is like Travis Scott and McDonald's, or like BTS but, and McDonald's now. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah, I agree. Um, nowadays, celebrities from the entertainment industry are definitely bigger than others like obviously politicians like they're also celebrities in their own right they are also very well known around the world but other people would be people from the entertainment industry so like tom cruise pretty much everyone knows who tom cruise is uh i guess angelina jolie brad pitt these types of people tom hanks tom hanks mm-hmm. all right so uh till next week guys when we talk about what happened to this like lost chunk of work from this destino project that nobody knew was lost until it re- literally resurfaced and changed kind of the context of the like imagery and analysis of the final 2003 destino project yeah that sounds exciting Mm -hmm. well i want to give a shout out to who i think is the main protagonist of the story so i'm just gonna go with that's so john hench my guy (laughs) rest in peace (laughs) rest in peace (laughs) okay all right well, if you have any stories you would like for us to cover, email us uh, at artdramalama at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at artdramalama. And lastly, thank you for joining us. And we hope we can continue looking beyond the galleries with y'all next time. Bye, Lamas. Bye. Peace.